The title of the message, Loving Jesus Part 2, The Invitation to Friendship, is what we're going to focus on tonight out of John 15. So Holy Spirit, I just simply pray that you would honor the preaching and the receiving, the speaking and the hearing of your word tonight. Make this uh, revelatory, illuminate these scriptures, Lord. It's not me that makes it happen, it's you, Holy Spirit, that we look to. Make this truth alive to our hearts tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. First thing I want to do is I just want to read the portion of scripture we're going to look at tonight. It is what I like to call thermonuclear. This is good Bible. All of the Bible is good. Don't get me wrong. Genesis to Revelation, we need it. But when Jesus talks, it is special. And John, it was like John, so this is John's gospel. He's like, this man is talking. I need to start taking notes. And it became part of our Bible. John 15, verse 9. I'll read from 9 to 17. And man, this is good. Study this on your own time. This is why I give notes, by the way, just to study on your own time. But he says here in John 15, verse 9, he says this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. That statement right there is worth a message. I just, but I got to go on. But what he's saying is he loves you as much as the Father loves him. That's just extraordinary right there. Jesus starts off this part of the, I mean, he's been talking for a while. He says, guys, I love you as much as my Father loves me. I I don't even think we can comprehend this. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Stay there. Stay in the place where you know how much I love you. And this is what he's going to begin to give us insight on how to stay there. I love this so much. If you keep my commandments, you'll stay there. You'll abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He reiterates a command He gave in John 13. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his, one's life for his friends. Another massive statement. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I'm going to try to finish reading this. This is so good. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Lord, help me to get through this quickly because it is getting close to 8 o'clock. Oh, no, I'm supposed to be done at 8. Lord, have mercy. (laughs) How do I make this as simple as possible? My heart in sharing this series is to make so clear what it means to love Jesus. It's very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. 
We just simply do what he asked us to do. That's it, really. That's what John's getting after. If we love the Lord, we will simply do what he asks us to do. On a personal level, as revealed by Scripture as we understand it, it's very simple in John's writings. Now, again, we have to say no to sin and no to the flesh, and, and there is a war. But John, John's like, guys, it's not complicated. If we really love the Lord, we just commit to doing what he says. And like I shared last week, the, if you look at that the opposite direction, if you're here tonight and you can say, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I mean, I really, I really do want to do what he says. Then biblically, you really do love Jesus. Even though you mess up, even though you have setbacks, it's so reassuring to know that if there is that yes and it's real, then Jesus says, you actually do love me. It is real. And that's so encouraging to me. And so I, I, a lot of reasons for sharing this series, but one is so we just know what it means to love the Lord and to know all the benefits of it. It's so cool. There is so many messages out there today that you can go on YouTube. I mean, there are so many things being preached and so many really good things, but every once in a while we have to reconnect to what is most important. How do we just love God? What is He asking of us? How do we love this man who died on the cross for us? And John lays it out in in a few chapters. And it's my heart to help people navigate cultural issues, the the various messages of culture, and even the, the plethora of things being spoken in the body of Christ. There's just so much out there. My heart in this three, four weeks is just to say, man, if we truly love Jesus and connect to that, that's very that's a high level of success right there. The rest is details pretty much. Let's go down to Roman numeral two here. I'm going to touch three main things that Jesus highlights in this chapter. And one is that when we obey, we experience more of his love. When we obey, we experience more of his joy. And that all of this is ultimately about friendship with him. Those are the three things we're going to look at tonight. But in Roman numeral two, Jesus again... He repeats himself in chapter 14 and in chapter 15, and he links together our obedience with a greater experience of his love. He essentially says, if you have that yes in your heart, and you, you are sincere, you really do want to obey the commands of Scripture. I mean, you're not going to ever do it perfectly. You're never going to become as perfect as Jesus. But if that's, if that's real, you will... Stay in a place where you experience His love more and more. And so He's he's kind of... I mean, in, in this context, He's teaching disciples that are young, they're new to following Him. He's trying to give them a grid for what's possible if they really follow Him. And one of the things He says is, if you guys really do this, you will encounter My love for you in new and greater ways the rest of your life. And that, to me, is amazing. Because it's love that motivates us for the long haul. If our heart is continually growing and expanding and love is increasing in our life, 
we can navigate so many storms. There's so much we can go through if the love is in our heart. And we, we don't quit. When we're in love with the Lord, we just don't back down. We don't quit. We just keep going. We, we approach life much better when our heart is full of love. And so this is significant. I don't want to reread everything, but again, he says, that, as the Father loved me, I've loved you. Stay there. Abide there. If you keep my commandments, you will. You will stay in that love. Just like I obeyed the Father and stay in His love. So ultimately, Jesus was able to endure all the things he went through. We have a question from the audience. <laughs> Dad's preaching, bud. Can you go back to mama? She's much smarter. I love you. Have mama get you a cookie out of my little thing, okay? There's a cookie in there. You go get a cookie, right? All right. You never know what's going to get thrown at you in the house of prayer. Never know. I just can't. Letter A. Jesus loves us as much as God loves Him. Wow. I just. I just put. I put wow. God loves you as much as God loves God. There's a theological statement you need to begin to wrestle with. God the Son loves you as much as God the Father loves Him. Oh my goodness. Love this stuff. So again, he keeps building out this truth from chapter 14. He calls us to walk in sincere love. Just one. Just one. Just one cookie. Now let me just share two other points, then we'll go on to the next thing here. So we remember when Jesus calls the disciples, he comes up to them, and we talked about this last week, Hannah. What's he say to his guys? When he's just walking down, he first calls his disciples and he says, follow me. And that was pretty much the message. I mean, it was like two seconds, let's stand, amen. He walks up to these guys and he says, Follow me, I'm, I'm going this direction. And they do, which is crazy. But when Jesus first called his disciples, he kind of called them to this instantaneous obedience that they didn't really know what they were getting into. But now that they're following him for a while, he's beginning to show them it's not just about obedience. I mean, that's, that's what you needed to do to start out. But now I'm trying to help you connect to what this is ultimately about, which is experiencing my love, living it out with joy, and being my friend, walking with me where I hear your voice, you hear mine, and we're close to each other. And if we never make that transition, we just think, okay, I have to obey because I have to obey. And it's obedience for the sake of obedience, and it eventually we burn out because it's not the ultimate motivation. And and I, I, I mean, for a few years, I was like, Okay, I have to obey. There's all these verses on obedience. But I didn't know the rest of the Bible. And so I'm just constantly, okay, what else do I have to obey? Okay, I'm in. And after a few years, he began to show me, yeah, it's good. That's the way in. But there's so much more. It's like I said last week, it's the door into the 
endless mansion that's God. We, you know, we need to get in the door. That's obedience. But then there's endless, endless beauty and glory and majesty and love in this man. And so we can't just get inside the door and we're like, that's it. Praise God. There's so much more to him. But obedience is critical because it's how we get in. Now, I, I also love to add this because, you know, whenever I talk about obedience, there's always people thinking, yeah, I just messed up and I'm never going to really be like that. We can never forget that as much as we want to obey, we will fall short. And the Lord knows we will. And that's okay. There's never going to be a Christian that does not ever sin after they get saved. That's very important to understand. And I also understand that that's hard for people to grasp for a number of reasons. And I actually meet with people frequently who are convinced they no longer sin because of a Bible verse they don't understand very well. I assure you, Jesus saved us from all of our sins. And yet we still do make sinful choices and we still need forgiveness for those choices. And some people have like a perfectionistic mentality where they have to think that they never sin so that they're pleasing to God. And it's just not real. It's not reality. Boston's like, amen, dude. Now, Jesus does use the language in the Gospels. He says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. What that means is, is reach for the highest. You're never going to be perfect like God. Never. We're always going to need to be forgiven. But we still reach for the highest levels of maturity. And I've got actually, I put a note on the back at the very bottom. I, I put a number of verses explaining. I can't go into all that tonight, but I put a number of verses. If you want to read into that, at the very bottom, I put a little important note. Because there is, in my opinion, a ton of um, confusion on this one point. Do we sin anymore or do we not? We definitely do. Guys, I really am serious about my walk with God and I fail every day, every day in my life. My thoughts get weird or my tone with my wife or kids is off a little or I wasn't totally a man of my word here or there. I mean, there's just so many things or I, I wasn't kind or I was to this or it, there, there's just all kinds of failures every day and I'm not condemned about it, but we just have to understand that that's real. And so we come to God humbly and say, Lord, cleanse me. That's, uh, I'll clarify that more at the end if we need to. So we, we go all out. We say, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to experience your love all my life. And yet when we fail, we, we, every once in a while, we call a friend, we confess whatever that is. We go to prayer, we say, Lord, would you forgive me of sins that I don't even know I've committed? Would you forgive me of this one that I it was really bad? And we're back in good fellowship with him. Part of me working with guys and me working in ministry over the years and decades now, I've done this for 20 years, is helping people understand the importance of being open and honest and confessing. And we walk in freedom when we do this. Um, my favorite story on this subject is, well, two favorites, the prodigal son story. The prodigal son wasted his whole life. He runs back to the father and the father says, we're good. That's the picture. 
best ring, best party, best sandals. That's how the Father receives us after we squander years in total sin. He takes us back. We have to have that understanding. In the Luke 18, there's a picture of a Pharisee and a tax collector. They both go into a prayer room, the temple, for a prayer time. And the one, the tax collector, or the Pharisee is like, Lord, I, I tithe, I fast, I am so spiritual. And the other guy's like, Lord, I am so sinful. And Jesus essentially says, it's the tax collector whose prayers got answered. The other guy, no. Because the other guy informed God, the other one actually prayed. Anyway, let's move on here. So he, he reiterates the, the importance of obedience and experiencing his love. He says, you'll experience my love more if you obey. Again, he never assumes it's going to be perfect. It never will. There are billions of people who've lived. Not one's been perfect except Jesus Christ. We reach for the highest. We're humble toward him when we fail. And he wants us to have joy in our heart. I love this verse, John 15, 11, under number three. He says, these things I'm telling you, basically John 13 through 16 and maybe 17. 17 is the prayer. He says, I'm telling you this so that my joy is in your life. What a statement. And he adds this, and that your joy will be full. First thing I like about this verse is that he says, my joy. So first of all, we have to understand Jesus is a joyful man. He's profoundly happy. He understands how everything works. He knows how it ends. He, he's at such peace. He has so much joy. And he says, that joy that's in me, you need to understand God is glad. And he, has, he can be every emotion on the spectrum and be glad. He just gets to do that. He's God. Got to understand he's like that. He says that can be in you. So in other words, when we have that sincere yes to obey, we can experience more joy. And what's interesting is he says it can be full. So the question I have for us tonight is, do we have joy? Is it all the way full? Apparently there's levels and Jesus is at the highest level. He promises this. He says, if you go after me and you, you seek to obey and it's sincere, over time, more and more joy will touch your life. If we have a paradigm that he's an angry God, though, it's hard to be happy. You got to understand he's not mad at you. He loves you like a perfect father. And he's working with you through the years and decades. He really wants you to be happy in God. For some Christians, that's just unthinkable because God is austere, he's angry, and he might be happy one day. That's not the God the Bible presents. God is a glad-hearted creator. He's so much bigger than we're thinking, and he's really, really a glad-hearted man. I can't wait to just watch... I mean... This is important theology to me, but I just can't wait to get to heaven and see all the people who thought he was this like mystical equation hovering above a throne when they actually see he's a real person who has a smile on his face and he's like, hey, I can't wait to see what they look like. 
Oh man, this is, this is heating up here, folks. Okay, so are you joyful? Are you full of joy? There's more. Just pray, Lord, help me to obey. Fill me with that joy. Here's the thing, when we're happy in God, we just, we love to obey. When I'm, when I'm not enjoying my walk with God, I don't really want to obey. When my kids are happy with me, they want to obey me. God's, God's amazing. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, joy is the serious business of heaven. C.S. Lewis, joy is the serious business of heaven. Very briefly, I wrote a paragraph on suffering. <clears throat> suffering is certainly biblical, and we will go through it. I've met so many people who've had such a hard life. And yet, so many people that have had such a hard life are some of the most joyous people I've ever met. Because they've responded well in their heart, and there's just a radiance to them. The Bible's very clear. In fact, James, who is the Lord's half-brother, lived with Jesus in his upbringing. In the first chapter of his letter, he says, Count it all joy when you suffer and go through trials. Like, James, you can't write that. That, that. That's not biblical. Scratch that out. And he's like, no, I'm inspired by the Spirit, and I had a brother named Jesus. Consider it joy when you go through trial. Oh, what a statement. And so you just stop reading James, because James, you can't be right. <clears throat> the reality is, though, that when we go through difficulty, when we suffer, when we experience trials, and we respond well, which means we resist the temptation to become bitter and unforgiving. It's basically what that breaks down to. We get deeper, our heart grows, we become more loving, and we experience more joy. Life actually becomes brighter. Man, I just urge us as friends to resist any situation where we're tempted to respond wrong. If we did, we can say, please forgive me. Praise God we can do that and just clear that up. But we want to go for the long haul with just a big heart. And if we do, he says, my joy will be in your life. Now, not every day, not every moment, but it'll be real through the seasons of life where we just see things differently. And I wrote more there. I'm trying to move quickly here. So we experience his love. If we're committed to obedience, we experience his joy. And then he says what I think is the ultimate statement, probably in these chapters that we're going to look at. It's kind of astounding, actually. <clears throat> I, I wrote here letter four, letter four, number four, Roman numeral four, the incredible invitation to friendship with God. Maybe this is something you've never thought of before, but this is straight from Jesus's mouth. <clears throat> Again, he's helping his guys make a once-in-a-lifetime transition. This is, there's two or three major transitions that we must go through in our walk with God. One is from lost to saved, okay? Number two would probably be saved to I'm holy in now. I'm not going to, because the first few years I didn't even know I had to obey. That's, I just had no clue. I was like, I want to be in heaven, but I don't really want to change my life. And then that's discipleship kicks in. Oh, I have to obey. Once we're deeply committed to obedience, if we don't make that next shift to like, this is all about loving Jesus and being his friend and experiencing greater levels of intimacy and love and 
If we don't make that transition, it, it just becomes legalism over time. It becomes religion. It's, it's, it becomes, I'm committed to obeying so that I look more spiritual than that guy. And it's the badge of honor Christianity. And secretly in our hearts, we die, but we don't want anybody to know about it. Jesus just blows the lid off that thing. And he says, he says this, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So you guys signed up to follow me. You're committed to obedience. You keep doing that. You will be friends with me. No longer see yourselves. This is kind of my, I'm kind of explaining it. Don't view yourselves just as servants. View yourself as friends. This is what he's telling his guys, and he tells us. A servant doesn't really know what the master's up to, but a friend you know because you're friends. When you want to know something, you call your friend, and your friend's open with you and honest. He's, he's kind of transitioning them from the, I just do it because I should, because he said he's the boss, he's the Lord, to now he's, he's getting into, I want to open my heart and explain more to you. And he's going to get into later explaining that he's going to send the Holy Spirit because he has to leave, obviously. He's going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to make known all of these truths and make them real to their heart. So he introduces, I believe for the first time in John's Gospel, this concept of friendship. Oh man, take some time in prayer and just just begin to say, Lord, Show me what this means for my life. I mean, I want to be all in. I want to be committed. I want to obey. But I want to be your friend. Now, this concept of friendship, actually, it harkens all the way back to God's relationship with Abraham. There are a number of scriptures. In fact, James 2.23. I'll just read it because I don't have it written down there. I ran out of space. James 2.23, we know Abraham's the father of faith. God promised him he'd have all these descendants like the stars. And book, book of James left my Bible, apparently. I tell you, when you preach and you try to find a book in the Bible, it's not happening. Oh, my goodness. James, where'd you go? James 2.23, I'm going to try to flip through there and find it. Okay. James 2.23, the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the what? The friend of God. So Abraham begins this relationship with God. God promises him something, and he just simply believes he does nothing for a while. He just believes, and then eventually he, he ventures out and follows God's leading. But because Abraham, at one point in his life, began to believe and then began to obey, he developed a friendship with God to the point where God says in Isaiah, Abraham's my friend. There's uh, three or four verses. I have three of them written down there where God himself says through the prophets, this man's my friend. I talk to him, he talks to me. And so Jesus mentioning this is basically, you know, he's communicating with young Jewish men who are aware of Abraham's 
you know, connection with God as a friend, and he's trying to teach them that he is the Son of God. I mean, they don't fully get it, really, until the Holy Spirit comes, but he's basically saying, that which I started with Abraham, I want you to walk in this. And so let me just say this, letter B, right at the end here. It's kind of a a repeat. But we must, as Christians, we must allow the Lord to walk us through that first season where He heavily emphasizes obedience. And so we're like, okay, I'm in all the way, no matter what. But then we have to let Him say, okay, it's not just about that though. It's about you and me getting closer for the rest of our days. And friendship is something that I don't know if we fully grasp in our modern culture. I mean, we're just always doing so much. Friendship in God's mind is this deep relationship where we share together. And and that's what we're going to begin to look at next week is what he meant. As we develop our friendship where we take time to sit and listen and he opens the word to us and speaks to us, I mean, there is, there is like unlimited potential when we begin to understand what he means. And he, he's essentially saying, I don't just want you to be like a worker bee that has, is totally unaware of what I'm doing. I want you to have a relationship where I reveal things to you. You get revelation continually so you know my ways. You get what's happening. You know what I'm saying to the church. You know what I'm saying to your family. You know what I'm saying to that person. Or you just, you're clicking with, I mean, we're never going to know everything. But there is more to that relationship than we first thought when we first signed up. I mean, when I, I mean, you guys are probably more spiritual than me, but when I signed up, I'm like, I just want the golden ticket to heaven. And I, you know, I I guess I do want to be kind of spiritual. I mean, I learned that eventually. But man, once I began to connect to man, he just wants to talk to me like he talked to Mary of Bethany. He wants me to just sit at his feet and hear his word and then communicate that to others. It just takes on so much more meaning than he's just this deity that I have to pay homage to through strict obedience. It's just so much bigger than that. This person that's running the universe wants to be my friend. Like, what? I mean, I always think of it this way. Like, what if... You know, the president just called you one day and was like, hey, do you want to be friends and go hang out? What? That's kind of weird, but sure. You know, like if someone really important just showed up in your life and was like, man, I just heard about you on Facebook, just wanted to get to know you and maybe be friends, you'd be so humbled. Or what if the CEO at work just started kind of coming around your desk more often and was like, yeah, I just wanted to start a friendship with you. Let's hang out more. You'd be like, what? That's weird. But this is God. God is like interested in not just you like following him and doing what he says, but like getting close as friends. That's unbelievable. And he has a part in it and we have a part in it. And even when we're bad at the friendship, he doesn't get all mad and, well, you didn't talk to me for a week, so I'm not talking to you for a week. That's not what friends do. Like, I've got dear friends, and honestly, some of them live in other states and sometimes are in other countries. I don't talk to them for a long time. And when we reconnect, it's not awkward. We're just friends. And so he's taking them through this journey in John 14, 15, 16, 17. He's trying to show them, guys, it's worth it. You thought it was just follow me. I'm an interesting teacher. 
And they're beginning to find out, oh my goodness, there is so much more love and joy and friendship and the Holy Spirit's about to come to make this even more real. And that's what we're going to look at next week. I mean, I'm going to keep going till midnight. Uh, no. Amen. We'll end there. And um, I'll just throw it open for any questions. I'd, I'd like to do this at the end. If there's anything I could clarify in the next two, three, four minutes. And if not, we're good. Okay, you win. Hannah. Yes, because, you know, because I'm like a linear thinker, the way I think of it is like these stages, but it's not exactly like that. That's, that's the only way I could kind of communicate it, but I think, I don't want to give anybody the impression that it's like these clear-cut stages. It's just, it's different for everybody, but he's just moving us through this spectrum, and it could be various areas of our life, it could be various ways, various seasons, it's different for everybody. But, you know, I, 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 the way I understand things and the, just to make it basic, I, you know, just one, two, three, four, five. Um, but I think that's a good way to say it because various places in our life could be going through these transitions. Um, but in the ultimate sense, we, our heart has to make a few of these key transitions because if we're stuck back here, like, you know, oh, all I wanted to do is get into heaven. And so we just never progress in maturity you know, it's like, again, I told this parable last week you were here, where it's like you've been cold your whole life, you've never been inside a house, never seen a fireplace, finally you get into the mansion, you would not just stop inside the door. You know, you would keep walking, oh my goodness, what is that? Like a fireplace, oh, and you'd be affected by it, and then you'd want to see other things, and I just think that's kind of what I'm getting at. Did that help? Okay, All right. We'll charge you for the next one. No. <laughs> Did I? I thought I saw another. Maybe not. Is that it? We're good? Caleb, are you coming up for a question here? Are you getting ready to sign everybody out? Or no, not yet, not yet. I don't know if we're done here. Jared, Michelle, you guys good? Any thoughts, questions? Good, good. Jessica? Amanda? Amanda gives me feedback on the way home. She's like, boy, you need to be a better preacher. Huh? Right? She loves when I pick on her from up here. I hear about it the whole way home. Okay, I better end there. Hold on there, Caleb. You're going to have to say goodbye because Curtis isn't here. So come on up here. This is my beloved son, everybody, in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. All right, so... You're going to pray that God would make this message super powerful to our hearts, and then I'm going to have you say goodbye to everybody on Facebook, okay? Lord, I pray in the name of God that everyone that heard this message would be touched, and thank you for the people that are watching it tonight on the phone, Jesus. I pray that we all have a good night. In the name of Jesus, amen. And goodbye. And goodbye. See if you've been on Facebook. All right.